Okay, we're ready to get going here. So let's open up in prayer. Okay? Father, we thank you so much that we can come together in your name. As your word says, we're two or more gathered in your name. You're there in their midst, and we welcome you in this place. Lord, we thank you because you have said that anyone who has ears to hear, you are speaking to them. That, Lord, you have much to say that you'll give us the living bread from heaven, the manna that doesn't stop. Lord, we ask you, show us, give us revelation, give us wisdom, give us understanding. Open the eyes of our understanding, God. We want to hear you. We want to learn from you. We want to be like Mary and sit at your feet. We want to choose the good part, Lord. So, Lord, we just ask that you would speak to us this evening. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. All right, so we're going to flip over to Romans 7. And I've talked about this a little bit in the past. I don't think we ever really got through it. Um, but Romans 7, and then also another scripture. Anyone else know where else I'm going? Just from starting at 7. 1 Thessalonians. Nobody? 1 Thessalonians 5.23. All right. So 1 Thessalonians 5.23 is first place. And who's got the King James? You've got King James. Who's got an Amplified? Shonda? Okay, and who's got a nearly inspired version? Huh? (laughs) Naomi does. (laughs) All right, let's start off here in NIV. Let's start off. Scott, why don't you read that for us? 5.3. 523, 1 Thessalonians 523. And the very God of peace sanctify you wholly. And I pray God, your whole spirit and soul and body be preserved blameless unto the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Okay. Shonda? And may the God of peace himself sanctify you through and through, separate you from profane things, make you pure and holy, consecrated to God. And may your spirit and soul and body be preserved sound and and found blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ the Messiah. Okay, and I May God Himself, the God of peace, sanctify you through and through. May your whole spirit, soul, and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Okay. So God said, In the beginning, let us create man how? Yeah. Our image. He didn't say, Let's make man like us. He said, in our image, right? (laughs) Make him in an exact representation, exact model in the way that we are. How is God? Three parts. He's three parts, yet what? One. Yet one. How many gods do you serve? One. You serve one God, right? Mm -hmm. But he reveals himself how? Father, Son, Holy Spirit. God the Father, God the Son, and the Holy Spirit. He reveals himself in three separate persons. So how did he create you in his image then? You're three, yet one. That's Matt. Right? Now look at what he says here. He says, in the very God of peace... Sanctify you holy. Who's going to sanctify you? God. God is. And does he say he's going to do all of it or just part of it? All of it. All of it. All of it. And in what stages does he work? From the soul out. 
Well, read it. What does it say? Your whole spirit, soul, and body. So God first sanctifies the spirit. How does he do that? Being born of the spirit of God. New birth. Then what? How does that happen? Renewing your mind to the word. That's a process. But if God's doing it, aren't you the one reading it? What? If God's the one who sanctifies you, aren't you the one reading it though? How's God sanctifying your soul? It says right here, may God, read it with me, and the very God of peace <coughs> sanctify you wholly. It says God's going to do it. Right? Well, hold your seats. Earthquake and fire's coming. Oh, my God. How are you good? Hey, guys. Darling, Mark shouldn't come more often. Y'all show up. Hey. <laughs> nah, tell him we missed him. He says, and may the very God of peace sanctify you. What does sanctify mean? We're in 1 Thessalonians 5.23. Sanctify. What's that mean? Holy. Ish. What is it to be holy? Set apart. Set apart. This is just a fancy King James word to mean set apart. So what does it mean to be holy? Set apart. Set apart, which insinuates what? Not like. Not like the common. You're special. God says we're a particular people. When God says, be ye holy as I am holy, we don't understand what that word means. It means, I'm not like you. God puts it another way. He says, my thoughts are not like you. My ways are not like you. So think my thoughts after me. Follow my ways after me. Follow me. I'm not going to become like you. You need to become like me. Make sense? It doesn't mean that we're a, a better person or a different status from someone. It means we're separate from what is considered to be common, commonplace, something of no value. We are set apart. If you have something of high worth, but you want to display it, how are you going to display it in your house? You put it out and show it. You put it, but are you going to sit it where it's going to get knocked over? You're going to put it up on a shelf and say, you guys can look at it. Don't you dare anyone touch it. Right? Right? You're gonna you want to display it, you want to show it. Maybe you'll put it on a little glass dome, maybe you'll put it in a china cabinet, maybe you're you're gonna put it somewhere safe, right? Why? Why don't you put it with the rest of the china? The value of it. The the not how much someone else considers it, but the value it has to you. And that is what God is saying when he says, Be holy as I am holy. As you set me apart and as you value me. I value you in the same way. Please value yourself the same way you value me. Set yourself apart wholly away from the world, what's common and has no value. Do you understand? Mm -hmm. And he says that God is going to do this to you. He's going to make you unlike the common, unlike other people. And he's <laughs> going to do that, first starting with the soul, which happens in the new birth, right? Mm -hmm. 
And then in the soul, but how does that happen in the soul? You're the one that's picking up that Bible. You're the one reading it. But I can tell you right now, there's a lot of scholars that can quote you chapter and verse and have no clue what it's really saying. So if God's the one who's doing it, how does that make sense if you're the one reading it? I told you two weeks ago. He gives you the reign of word, the revelation. Yes. It's not reading the word that renews your mind. It's the revealing of the word yes. that renews your mind. The Pharisees, the scribes, the Sadducees, the poor, the lame, the sick, they all heard the same message that Jesus preached. But in some people it produced faith. And in other people it produced hatred. What was the difference? Do you remember the disciples asked him, why do you keep talking in parables? And what was his answer? Because these are mysteries that are preserved for you. It's been given to you to know, but it's not been given to them to know. So how did God keep it from other people, but not for others? They all heard the same message. This is the, yes, this is the teaching ministry of the Holy Spirit. How does the Holy Spirit teach? He takes the word and he opens it up, just like a grain of wheat. Just like when you eat bread, you can look at that loaf of bread bang and do you no good till you eat it, right? Till your body metabolizes it, till you consume it, till you meditate on the word. Meditate literally means like a cow chewing its cud over and over and over. It chews that food and chews it and chews it and chews it. When you meditate on that word, you think about it and you think about it and you think about it. God is in your heart. The Holy Spirit says that he will teach you all things. He'll take that word and he'll crack it open and release the life inside the seed of that word. Remember what he said? The sower is doing what? Sowing. He's sowing. Has he stopped sowing? No. He's always sowing. The sower by virtue of who he is, his description is what? He's the sower. So he never stops sowing. So the teacher is always Teaching. He's looking for a student who will listen. He's looking for a heart that is receptive. And what did we learn about being receptive? You have to first what? The first soil. How did they lose the seed of the word? The enemy took it. Why was he allowed to take it away? They didn't understand. They had no understanding. They didn't pursue any understanding. And so the enemy was able to steal even what they had, right? There's no understanding, but then what about the second type of soil? Well, it's the one that landed on the, the, the stony ground, and it had no root to it. So it was a glossing over. Has anyone, and you've had this happen, I guarantee. You've heard a word, you instantly were like, get excited about it, like, yes, that's right. Amen. Yes, I agree with that, right? And you even kind of get a little glimmer of light. Like, you're like, it makes sense. I see it. I see it. And then, oh, the ball game's on. And you spend three hours in front of the ball game. And then someone says, well, what did you learn at church the other day? And you're like, man, what was that? It had no depth, so it didn't remain. And the enemy quickly was able to steal it away. That's called hardness of heart. When your soul becomes hard, it causes spiritual stupidity. You will lose the revelation. You'll, you'll retain the knowledge, but lose the revelation 
of what God has shown you. So you'll know that you knew it at one time, but you won't remember exactly how or what it was that you knew about it. That's worse than not knowing ever. Absolutely. Absolutely. So here we know that the Spirit, he says God's going to sanctify you, and he's going to do that in three different ways, and he's going to start from the inside out. God works from the inside out, not the outside in. That's why you cannot change yourself. That's why you can't make yourself better. That's why you can't free yourself from sin. That's why you can't do it. God doesn't ask you to do it. He asks you to cooperate with him. He asks you to learn how the kingdom works and let the kingdom do its job. So what did we learn about the sower a couple weeks ago? We learned about the four types of soil. But then we also learned about the farmer, right? Not just the sower, but the farmer. And what did it say about that farmer? It says that he planted the seed, but then what did he do? See, the sower was Christ, but who's the farmer? You. You. Yeah, you gotta keep feeding he was talking about you guys, right? You're exactly right. How do you work it? Not how he's, he's going to sow. You don't got to worry about sowing. He's going to sow. But what's the farmer do? You got to keep watering it and feeding it. It says that he planted the seed, and then what did he do? He left it alone. He meditated. He kept it in the soil. And the soil was what? The heart. He nurtured it, right? And it said that he slept and he rose night and day, insinuating what? Time. Time. As long as the earth remains, there will be seed, time, and harvest. There's always a lot more time than there is seed or there is harvest. And that's the frustrating part. He says, through faith and patience, we receive all the promises of God. Right? That second type of soil that got excited about the word, they had no patience. Right? But as we plant the seed in our hearts, and we retain it in our hearts, and we focus on it, and we give, remember we talked about the power of attention? As we keep our attention stayed on it, we will rise night and day, day after day, and you won't really notice, the people around you will notice. But first, there's going to be the stalk, and then there's going to be the ear, and then eventually one day you're going to wake up and there's a full corn in the ear. And it says he knew not how. He knew not how. Just one day you realize, wow, I didn't realize how far I've really come. Faith comes by hearing, and hearing, and hearing. And hearing, 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 hearing. That's how faith comes. That's that nurturing of that seed, keeping it going in your heart, right? This isn't saying that you sanctify your soul. It says you cooperate with the process. Only through the revelation of God's word. Anyone tell me another scripture that talks about that and brings it out even clearer? One key scripture in the New Testament I'm thinking of. Shonda, I can't believe you don't know this. Well, I don't know what you're talking about. I mean, I'm trying to think about what you're saying. So. Do you know it? And be not conformed to this world. Be not common. Don't be like the commonplace. Don't be like everybody else. If you want what everyone else has got, you already got it. You might as well go home. Right? But if you want to have what God has for you... Be not conformed to this world, don't be pressed into its mold, but be ye transformed, transformado, 
The Greek literally means to be changed as a butterfly from a worm. Metamorphosis. And it tells us how it happens. How does it happen? By the renewing of your mind. And what happens when you've renewed your mind? Remember the rest of it? You may show forth what is the acceptable, good, and perfect will of God. You will walk in holiness naturally. Because as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. So we have to cooperate with the process. And it's through the revelation of the word. And the revelation of the word can't get inside of you and you won't receive the seed. James puts it this way. If you keep in seven, we're not done. We're going to Romans 7, remember. James chapter 3. I got a new Bible. Pages are sticking together, sorry. Actually, it's not three. I think it's one. James chapter one. Sorry, I said three. It's one. He says this, looking in verse 25. He says, But whosoever looks into the perfect law of liberty and continues therein, he being not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work, this man indeed shall be blessed in his deed. And then he goes on and he says, let's see here. We're looking over at... I'm missing one scripture off my mind. Well, I'm just going to tell it to you because I'm not seeing it. But it's here in James. And he says, receive ye the engrafted word, which is unto the saving of the soul. Soul salvation isn't what evangelists do. It's what the word of God does. Receive ye the engrafted word, which is unto the saving of the soul. I can get that scripture for you later if you want it. So he starts spirit, soul, and body. Then how is our body sanctified? Anyone know? Through Jesus? All of it's through Jesus. You can't do it without him. Through his body that was... You're you're getting there. You're getting there. Why is communion so important? It's remembering it. It's a remembrance. What is God wanting you to remember? Yeah, what he gave us. Mm-hmm. Well, our body will be changed till we get our glorified body when He comes. Mm-hmm. That's what you're talking about. That's what I'm talking about. Turn over to First Peter. <laughs> Look over in. Don't you hate getting a new Bible? It's fun, but then you forget where everything is. You get a different Bible every other week. I do, it feels like. I know, I know. Nope, 2 Peter chapter 1. Sorry. That's okay. He says this 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 3. According as his divine power has given to us all things. What did he say there? How did he do it? What did he give to you? All means. All means all. Means everything. Is there anything left out of all? Nope, it's all. According as his divine power has given unto us all things that pertain unto life and godliness. How did he give them to us? Mm -hmm. 
through the knowledge of him that has called us into glory and virtue. He's given us all things. I was listening to the guy who uh, directed our Bible school. He, he still teaches and he goes around and does home churches. And I was listening to his Facebook post and he was talking about how he, was, he has a handicapped son who's of age now. He's 18. And uh, they were driving a truck and taking some cattle to, to sell. And the truck broke down on the highway. And he says, you know what? I stopped and the Holy Spirit said, you've been given all things that pertain unto life and godliness through the knowledge of him. And he said, God, pertains to my life. You've given me all things. Where's your provision? Our truck just broke down. And he said, within five minutes, a guy pulled up beside him and said, hey, I'm going over to the feedlot. You need me to pull your truck over there and I can take the cattle. We can sell them. I can bring you right back. I'll even help you load your son up. Provision was made. He said, all things that pertain to life and godliness. So he's learned to look. Where's your provision, God? You promised it. You wrote it in your words. So either you're a liar or you got it. Where is it? We just have to be sensitive to find it. Amen. And he says, Whereby are given unto us exceedingly great and precious promises, that by these, by what? By those promises, that by these you might be partakers of his divine nature. We're talking divine nature now. Where's divine nature in all this? In your spirit. God is inside you. He who is joined unto the Lord, they are one spirit. You are one with God. You're so one with God, you can't see where you begin and he ends. You can't tell it. If you were to look at your spirit man right now, you would see God. And you'd say, well, I thought that was me. He says, it is. Well, I see you. And he says, it is. Someone else saw your spirit. Well, that looks like God. It is. Well, that looks like Shauna. It is. You're, you are part of him. Okay? And you don't know how much a part of him you really are until we step into the millennium one day. Because you're going to rule and reign with him because you're one with God. You're a totally different species. You're a totally different creation. You are different. But because you don't see yourself as different, because you see yourself as this creation, you don't experience anything different from it. If you think like the world, you'll have what the world has. But God says, come up higher. And he goes on and he says this. He says, having escaped the corruption of this world, which is through lust. And he talks about how we need to have faith and virtue and love. But at the bottom of this, he says this. Verse 9. Why is communion important? But he that lacks these things is blind and cannot see afar off and has forgotten. Has forgotten. That he was purged from his old sins. You know why Christians act like sinners? Because they have forgotten what Jesus Christ has done for them. Well, I read the word. Yeah, you're like that man that looks at the mirror, but then you walk away and you forget what manner of man you are. No fear of the Lord and choices. That's right. This is an instruction manual to tell you who you really are. This is your ID. This tells you how God sees you and what he's willing to do. And his eyes move to and fro throughout the earth looking for the man that will allow him to be strong on his behalf. You know why Elijah saw more miracles than any other prophet? 
Because he was willing to say, God said this and he's going to do it or I'm going to die standing right here. Go God. Because I ain't moving. When you put God on the spot like that, don't tempt him. But when you believe him like that, he'll move. Lester Semerall says God spoke to him and told him to follow Howard Carter all over the world. And when he met Howard Carter, if you don't know who Howard Carter is, he's a famous Englishman. Everything we know about the gifts of the Spirit stems from his teaching. He's the one that God opened up the gifts of the Spirit to. He was an Englishman. He went to jail because he refused to fight in World War II. Or, sorry, it was World War, yeah, World War II. And he was a protester. And they said, well, you're going to go to jail if you're not going to fight. And he says, can I have my Bible? They said, yeah. He says, I'll go to jail. <laughs> and he went to jail, and he studied 1 Corinthians 12. That's all he did. And God showed him what all the gifts were and how all they worked. And he said, God, the, the bombs had hit the prison, and the ceiling had cracked all the way across. He couldn't get out, but the ceiling cracked. When it rained, it would drip inside. And he said, God, I really wish you'd do something about that. He says, I really wish you'd do something about that. I gave you a gift of faith. He said, how does that work? He says, speak to it. I said, speak to the mountain, it'll move. He said, in the name of Jesus, that water better stop right now. He said, the water went right from his nose, right up to the ceiling, sealed up and never dropped again. Because faith works that way. Whatever you say, God establishes. But he said, do it without doubt in your heart. That's how we learn the gifts of the Spirit. God showed them to him one by one. You know, I would doubt that if it went for the fact that he walked with uh, Smith Wigglesworth. Lester Semerall personally knew Smith Wigglesworth. He was known as the Apostle of Faith, raised multiple people from the dead, including his wife. He got home one day, and they said, your wife's died, Smith. And he said, get out of my way. And he went in, picked her up, put her up against the wall. He says, come back right now in the name of Jesus. And she woke right up. And she said, Smith, what are you doing? I was just walking with Jesus. I didn't ask you to bring me back. And he said, well, then go. And she dropped dead. Hey, I'd love to have that kind of faith. Amen. You know how he had that kind of faith? When Lester Summerall showed up at his door and he had a newspaper under his arm, he says, you're welcome in, but that paper stays out. Amen. Nothing comes in this house but the Word of God. And he lived by the Word of God. He read it constantly. He listened to what the Lord had to say. And he followed that Word all the time. So let's go back over to Romans 7 here. So what's the point of all this? Well, Let's get back to this because I want to finish this. Three, he sanctifies our body. How's that happen? <coughs> this is called glorious or hope. You'll hear people call the blessed hope Jesus' return. It ain't nowhere in your Bible. Every single time he talks about it, he talks about the changing of our body to be like Jesus's. <laughs> you know why you have scriptures that talk about what Jesus was like after his resurrection? So you know what you're going to be like when you resurrect. You're going to be just like him. Exactly like him. Matter of fact, 1 John chapter 4 tells us that when we see him, now hang on to that because I'm not done. When you see him, what did Moses say would happen if he saw God? Exodus, Moses, go and I'll be with you. Well, I wasn't going to go if you weren't going anyway. <laughs> what do you want, Moses? Let me see your glory. Well, I'm going to pass by, but I'm going to put you in the cleft of the rock. Who's the rock? Jesus. Jesus. 
I'm going to pass by and you're going to see my hinder parts, but you can't see my face, Moses. If anyone sees my face, what happened? He'll die. But what happens when a dead man sees God? He lives. And 1 John chapter 4 tells us that in that moment when we see God, we won't be ashamed, but we will be changed to be like him. You'll be totally transformed into a glorified body the moment you see him. Chapter 8 of Romans is all about the glorious victory of the Christian and how all of creation is crying out for that to happen. Why is the earth crying out waiting for the sons of God to be released into the glory? Why do you think the earth is crying out? Remember Jesus said, they said, tell these people to shut up. And he said, if I told them to be quiet and they quit praising me, even the rocks would cry out. Why? Why would they? Have you ever thought about that? Why when Adam and Eve sinned did the earth get cursed? Did man get cursed? No, the earth did. Man was never cursed. The earth got cursed. The snake got cursed. The woman got cursed. Man didn't get cursed. Nowhere in there in that Bible. The earth got cursed. Why? Because God made them from the earth. Bingo. Because he made us from the dust. This earth is what you're made out of. And just like you're crying out, Hosanna, come God, Maranatha, the Spirit and the Bride say come, this earth is crying out for Christ to return. And when we are released, it will be released. We're looking for a city and whose kingdom and maker is God. It dwells in righteousness and holiness. So is this earth. Okay, that was too deep. Sorry. When Jesus returns, the very first thing he's going to do is he's going to say, I'm right up here, guys. Look at me. And you're going to look and be changed. That's what's going to happen. Every Christian for all of history in a moment is going to appear with Jesus. Every grave will open, every dead man will rise that's been saved, and every living person will be transformed in the twinkling of an eye. It'll all happen, okay? And at that point, you will forever be sanctified in your body. You will be like Jesus 100%. So that's all great, but how does that apply today, right? That's all great trivia. How do we walk in victory today? Hear nobody saying nothing. It's crickets. Throw, throw those We're changed. Oh, Christians can have a worse experience living on this earth than even the unbeliever. You know that? You can feel more depressed. You can feel more dead inside, more alone. Why? Jesus said, if you drink of this water that I give, you'll never thirst. If you eat my flesh and drink my blood, you'll never hunger. I ain't met a Christian yet that fits that qualification. Well, I met some, but <laughs> not any locally. <laughs> Why? They're not in the Word. They're not drinking. They're not eating. They don't know what that is. 
They haven't understood. They're looking for things to do, not a person to believe. Right? Only Christ can save us and only Christ can free us. He said, you'll know the truth. And the truth will what? Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. He didn't say that you're going to set yourself through, through, through the word. He says, you're going to know truth. You're going to come to a revelation of truth. And truth and fact are two separate things. So if you've been tripping over that one, you need to figure that out. The fact is not truth. It is a fact right now that you might be sick. That is a fact. Any doctor can prove it. But it's not truth. Because truth is only what God says is true. And God says you are not sick if you're a believer because by his stripes you were healed. So you have a choice. You can be like the common people and you can live according to fact. Or you can be like him and think higher thoughts and say, no, I'm healed. And at some point between fact and truth, revelation will come and reality will break out. But as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. So is he. So here in Romans 7, we're going to see two contrasting truths. And we may be at this for a couple weeks. But we've got Romans 7 and Romans 8. Anyone tell me what the difference between those two chapters are? Well, they've got different numbers. Anyone familiar with them chapters? Dead to sin. Dead to sin? Okay, which one? Seven or eight? Seven. No, not seven. An eight? An eight? Oh, that's one backtrack, right? Well, that's flesh. Flesh, okay. In eight. Oh, in eight? At eight. Are you sure? Eight. Oh. Uh, I thought eight was more of a life in the spirit. It is. It is. I'm just writing what you guys are telling me. In all of Paul's writings, you will never find two more chapters that are more opposed to one another. Ever. Do you know that everything that he wrote, Galatians, Colossians, Ephesians, Philippians, they all have these same common elements. Paul says the same thing in every epistle in a different way. And the purpose is it's a different audience, but he's explaining the same truth in different ways. Okay, But here we have the most definitive explanation of this. And what he's trying to help us understand is how can a born-again man who still has a part of them that's not like God, walk in victory. How does that happen? Because this is great, but what part of you right now is not sanctified yet? We got a promise of it, but it's not happened yet, right? Is your soul sanctified yet? Well, I don't know how much revelation you got. You know how sanctified your soul is? I can tell you how sanctified your soul is. Would you like to know? Would everyone like to have a thermometer to know how sanctified your soul is tonight? Go over to 2 John.
Now, once you get to second John, turn the page and go to third. <laughs> Pastor, you want to read verse two? For the true sake, which dwelleth in us, and shall be with us. Oh, we went to 3 John. I'm running you around. (coughs) 3 John, verse 2. Beloved, I wish above all things that thou mayest prosper and be in health, even as thy soul prospereth. Who's not amplified? What you saying? Beloved, I pray that you may prosper in every way and that your body may keep well, even as I know your soul keeps well and prospers. Okay. You want to read NIV? Sure. Dear friends, I pray that you may enjoy good health and that all may go well with you, even as your soul is getting along well. Okay. So he says, Brother, I wish above all things. Now, we know people wrote this, but we know it's the word of who? God. God. This is God's word, right? Mm -hmm. And God is saying, I wish above all things, Robert, that you prosper. I want you to prosper. God is saying, it's my will for you to prosper. Above everything. Did you see that part? Do we need to go back and read it again? Brethren, I desire above all things, above everything. Above everything we could discuss, I want you to prosper. Why would he want you to prosper? Why? Why is God concerned if you prosper? Let's talk about this. Anyone bless ever, others. Do what? You can bless others. You better believe it, but there's a little bit difference than that. Anyone know? What was your question? I was reading that. Why does God want us to be prosperous? Because Jesus loves us. Because he loves us? Okay. Yeah, yeah, you're getting there. You're getting there. Anyone ever uh, hear about uh, people called the Jews? Oh, yeah, very You want to talk about the wealth of the Jews? Amen. <laughs> you think there's a reason Germany wanted to ransack the Jews? <laughs> to this day, the top six wealthiest people in the world, what are they? Jewish. They are Jewish. The most prominent Nobel Prize winners, who are they? Jews. Jews. The Jewish nation to this day, even after Hitler tried to wipe them out, are the most prominent people on this earth. And God told them, all nations are going to hate you because of me. But think about what God told them. Everything you lay your hand to is going to prosper. I'm going to give you power to obtain wealth that my covenant would be established in the earth. God made the Jewish people a billboard of how good God really is. And the world hated him for it. And he comes along and tells Christians, because remember, they fell from that standing. Romans 11 is all about that. Romans 9 goes into it. And to the church, he now says, Brethren, I wish above all things that now you prosper and be in health. Even as that's really important, guys. Even as. Even as you are what prospers? Soul. Soul prospers. Oh, okay. So I do have a part to play in this. In other words, you can get what you sow. You ever think about that? You can get what you sow. 
Oh, here we go, past the plates, right? No, that's not what I'm talking about. I'm saying if you'll be a farmer and plant the word and let him be a sower and sow a seed, somewhere in between night and day where time begins, you're going to rise and you wake up with a harvest. Amen. Prosperity doesn't come overnight, and that's why we get frustrated and we quit. Prosperity comes over time. Comes over time. And God wants you to prosper and be in health more than anything else. And the only one who's stopping that is you. you. Or me. That's right. <laughs> That's right. It's tight, but it's right. It's as your soul prospers. So you know what you can understand about your soul? Your soul is like a little spigot. And you turn it on, and you turn it off. And you turn it on, and you turn it off. And if you come to my house and you turn it to the left, you're going to get hot water. And if you turn it to the right, you're going to get cold. And if you leave it in the middle, it's going to be lukewarm and you're probably going to spit it out. <laughs> right? Your soul works the same way. Go ahead. Can I read you something? Yeah, go for it. Okay. Soul is the mind and the emotion. Renew the mind by the word of God and it will change your will. Yep. So what is soul? It's one and three also, isn't it? It's mind, will, emotion. And there's a hierarchy there, isn't there? What's the king of the soul? Self. Nope. Nope. Why are you unlike any other creature that exists? Is a choice, and God planted that in the seed of the soul, and He called it your will. What you choose to do, you will have. No one will stand before God and God and say, Well, God, you didn't heal me. He said, I absolutely did. I absolutely did. You chose. When He stood before Israel and talked to them about the law, He says, Today, I sit before you, life and death, blessing and and cursing. I suggest you choose life. But he left it at their choice. Nobody will say to God, I died because you didn't heal me. He'll say, no, I provided it to you, but you did not learn my word to understand how to receive what I had provided. There's two sides to every coin. Grace is what God gives us that we don't deserve. But we receive grace by what? Faith. faith. And faith is what? By doing. That's the scriptural way to say it. Another way of saying it is it's your positive response to what grace has already provided. What are you going to do with the truth that God has revealed to you? What are you going to do with that? If God reveals to you that by his stripes you're healed, and that's real to you, you see that truth in your heart, but your body says, I ain't believing it, what are you going to do? You're gonna stay Would you like to talk about what we do in our house, Noah? <laughs> what do we do when we feel sick at our house? You said speak to it. He told me one day just recently, he says, 
What if someone comes by and chops someone's foot off? I know. Dad's going to say, speak to it. I said, mm-hmm. I would. I would. Now, does that mean we ain't got ibuprofen in my kitchen? We do. We do. Because everyone's faith level is a different place. But here's the deal, guys. If you can't believe God to heal a headache, don't be surprised when cancer comes knocking at your door. Faith grows. First there was a stem. Then there was an ear. Anyone going to go out and pluck the stem in the ear and have a meal? It wouldn't taste very good, would it? That's all the stuff we peel off and throw in the trash at Walmart, right? We cook what's inside the ear. It ain't ready to use till it's ready to harvest. And for that takes time. Time. God told Joshua how to be successful in this. Hold your place in Romans 7. We haven't even got over there yet, have we? But get over to Joshua chapter 1. Now remember, Joshua's following up a hard act. He's following Moses. That'd be a hard act to follow. And Joshua is saying, Lord, how, how is this going to happen? How am I going to get these people to follow me? How, how can I be successful doing what you're telling me to do? I mean, Moses was the most humblest guy on the face of the earth. And now you're telling me to lead these people? And this is what he told him. Verse 8. This book of the law, or you could say the word of God, shall not depart out of your mouth. When you don't feel good, you do what? You speak to it. You take the word of God, which is the sword of the spirit, and you attack the enemy where he is at. And so when my back hurts, I say, pain, pain, right there in my back. I command you to leave right now in the name of Jesus Christ. Well, it still hurts. I didn't say it was going to quit hurting. I said I told it to leave, and I'm standing on my faith that it better leave. I believe God before I believe that pain. When you believe God more than you believe that pain, it's gone. I can show you a lot of people who prove that. This word of God shall not depart out of your mouth, but thou shalt meditate therein day and night. Remember what that farmer did? He rose and he slept night and day. He knew not how. Day and night you meditate in that word. That thou mayest observe to do according to all that is written therein. So now you must hear it. You must meditate in it. You must do it. Faith without works is what? Dead. dead. As the body is without the soul, so is faith without works. It is dead. Well, I believe God healed me. Well, okay. I believe God healed me too. I'm going to prove it by my works. You prove it just because you believe it. Go. That's going to be hard, isn't it? But you can come to my house and you can see that we're living it. We ain't perfect in it, but we're living it. It's kind of embarrassing when your kids tell the school counselor my dad told me to talk to it. <laughs> Don't talk to me about it. Now I know what my Bible says. He says that thou mayest observe to do all that's according to is written therein. For then, when? Then. When? When you hear. When you think. That's what meditate is, is thinking about it. You meditate all the time. You're thinking about right now a bill that you can't pay. You're thinking about what you're going to do when Matt shuts up and get out of here because we're so tired of hearing him talk. You are meditating on something. I promise you. 
You're meditating. And it's going to produce a fruit. And Galatians puts it this way. Chapter 6. God is not mocked to whoever sows to the flesh. Of the flesh is going to reap corruption. But whoever sows to the spirit. Of the spirit they will reap everlasting life. Anyone know what the verse after that says? It's not as popular. I didn't think you would. But it's (laughs) as meaningful. It says, therefore, do not give up. In well-doing, because in due time you will reap a reward if you don't give up. The time element. Ah. He says, then, when you hear, when you think, when you do, you receive. For then thou shalt make thy way prosperous, and then you're going to have good success. Cooperating with the sower by being a farmer. That's how your soul prospers. And he says he wishes above all that you receive from that process. He wants you to understand, and this is what you're going to get. You're going to get life. You're going to get peace. You're going to get prosperity. God wants to make you a billboard to the world about how much he loves you. And you know why? Because it's the goodness of God that leads man to repentance. God don't heal today. He don't prosper. He don't give no money. He don't. Would you run to a God if all of his people were healthy? If all of his people were wealthy? If all of his people were blessed? If it was dark on your farm, but it was light on theirs, would you go see that God? Mm -hmm. You better believe it. The Old Testament's full of people. There's a guy named Naaman. Remember Naaman? He had that little Israelite girl. He was a leper. And she said, too bad you don't live in Israel because we got a prophet over there and that God would heal you. And he went over there with all of his wealth and tried to give it to Elijah. He said, I hear you'll heal me. Elijah said, keep your wealth and I want your wealth. But go dip yourself in this river seven times. (laughs) What? I don't know if you've ever checked this out, but everywhere that Jesus and any prophet told someone to go dip, it wasn't very clean to dip in. Anyone want to go to Israel and get baptized in the River Jordan? Wow, we did. We did. It is dirty. not clean. No, it is not. It's dirty. You pray some cattle didn't go downstream from you where you... Wow. If you were getting baptized in the River Jordan, you really wanted to be baptized. You want to shower as soon as you come out. You were washed, but it, it was definitely internal. It wasn't external, right? That's right. And they throw those white garments away. <laughs> you got rid of those white garments. That's right. Naaman said the same thing. He says, I've got a whole lot prettier pools over in Samaria. I don't need to go dip in your old raunchy pools in Israel. And she's, and you know what the Israelite girl said anymore, remember? If he would have told you to do something that was hard, you would have done it. But because you just didn't like He was offended at the simplicity you know what? Every last one of you are offended right now at the simplicity. Half of you don't even believe it'll work. Because the fact is, all you got to do is read it. Read it and think about it. Let it consume your thoughts, just like what all my children are considering your thoughts in General Hospital and whatever else you'd be thinking about, and Survivor and Bachelor. And if those things can find a place in your heart, if the Word can find its place in your heart that much, Prosperity and life will explode from you. 
People will want to know what is your secret. And all you're going to be able to say is God. God. The only God most people are going to see is the God in you. But if we walk around defeated, depressed, sick, ain't nobody want a God like that. Nobody. Nobody. And you know what? It's 8 o'clock and I still ain't got to Romans 7. <laughs> but guess where we're going to be next week? <laughs> Romans 7. Pastor, you want to close this in prayer? Go ahead. Okay, before we close, I want to share this really stupid thing. <laughs> okay? It really is. Rick Renner laid hands on me one day, and he asked me what I really wanted. And so out of my heart spoke what I wanted. I said, I want to have excellency in ministry. I mean, this person here was so on my face. I mean, so sincere. And he looked at me, <coughs> backed up, and he said, you've got it. And walked away. I was so offended. And all of a sudden, the revelation this has been years ago. But I want to share that little tidbit with you because that is a simplistic thing. Mm -hmm. And I know that, and I knew that, but I didn't get that. I expected a man to tell me. Mm -hmm. Yep. Philemon 6 says what? It will show not return. I don't know what you're... The communication of your faith will become effectual. It'll affect, it'll work. How? The acknowledging of every good thing that is in you in Christ Jesus. Do you go to work and say, God, thank you for giving me power to obtain wealth? Or do you go to work thinking, I gotta go to this stupid job. I hate this job. I hate my boss. Can't stand walking in here. What do you want? <laughs> is that how you walk in? You know what? Out of your mouth, you're getting exactly what you want. Life and death are in the power of the tongue, the and those world, who love it. The world even will eat acknowledges the, the power of your thought. Even the world acknowledges that. They understand that there is. There is a reason that only mankind can speak. Have you ever thought about that? Your dog doesn't say, "Get out of my way." <laughs> now he may say, "Woof." And you know that he's saying, you better get out of my way. I know when my boxer is messing with my Boston, my Boston's looking at me like, dude, you better move him or he is out of here. And I know what he's saying, but he ain't saying, right? Body language tells you a lot. But we are the only thing in creation that is like God. And you know how we're like God? We can talk. We can talk. And in the power of words, think about it. In the beginning was... The Word. The Word. And the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And the Word is what became flesh. You know what's wrong with your life? Your words have become flesh, and you're living what you've said. I can prove it. I'm an example of it. My life is an example of everything I've spoken in my life. It, psychologists will call it what? Anyone you know? Self-fulfilling prophecies. They even know it's true. They even know it's true. Take that word, plant it, let it change what you say. Start calling those things which 
Be not as though they were. What he's telling you is what's real in truth. Start saying that's right. That's my reality. And every day you say it, every time you say it, you're getting a little bit closer to having it. Because you can have what you say. Yeah, Pastor, you want to close? Father, we just thank you for this wonderful evening. We thank you that the impartation of that hunger that burns within us just rises to the surface and we dig hard into your word, Father. We bless you and praise you for all that you do for us and thank you for this wonderful building and, and the wonderful teachers we have. We just thank you for all the needs that, are, that you need each and every day. And I just speak life, health, prosper, prospering, and, and all everybody's desires to make manifest in their lives. We thank you for divine healing that comes forth in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Oh, thank you.